Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back on Steelers Touch. Dan, I'm not. I'm Matt Peverell, and I'm joined by my co-host as always, Marky D, Mark Davison. That was a pretty long part one, Mark, but there's a lot to get through. It was also a pretty long uh, long break. And, you know, behind the steel curtain was quite open there. A lot of guys on YouTube heard uh, Maddie's gulp and it was hilarious. <laughs> sounded like a, it sounded like a wave crashing into my, my headphones. I was trying to like, get so, as much. Whoosh. Um, well, we should probably kick off part two with slinging the slang. As we like to say, just as Ben likes to sling the rock, we like to sling the slang. Marky D, what do you got for the listeners this week? So I had uh, a comment last week, uh, I believe it was from Steelers Fan 36, and they said, what does a wombat mean? If you call somebody a wombat uh, in Australia, do you, do you know what that means, Manny? Uh, kind of like when we say like dingbat, like just someone that's a dropkick. Yeah, like a lot of these, a lot of these ideas. So like, for example, uh, if I were to call somebody a wombat, um, if I can bring into like a... Steelers kind of reference, like say for instance, you and I are watching the game, right? And one of our wide receivers is is wide open, which is the same as their name, right? And they go to catch the ball for a touchdown and to win the game versus the dirty bungles, uh, and they drop it. And you would say to them, "You wombat! Like why? How'd you miss that?" Uh, or same with you know our kicker. Not going to say who because I don't want to jinx anyone. But missed the field goal. It's just saying you're a wombat means it just basically means like uh, you're an idiot or it's just something unfortunate happens. Now I just wanted to clear that up with uh, one of our fans, you know. But hopefully that doesn't happen this year. We don't call anyone wombats or kangaroos or nothing. <laughs> so I've got one, and mine's a little bit similar to yours. And it also throws shade on one of the players that we're going to preview. I don't want people to think I hate him because of this, but it, it just tied in too well. So mine's more of a sort of a slang term, which is called drop to sitter, which you hear a bit in cricket or you can hear it in rugby, but it's usually said when someone drops a, in, in rugby, when someone drops a bomb, so like a very high kick, uh, when there was no pressure or reason to drop the ball at all, or like a sky high kick if you're thinking about it from an NFL perspective. So when Deontay Johnson drops a ball, he dropped a few sitters this year. Ebron, he dropped a few sitters as well. So, yeah, I just thought that was pretty fitting given that we're about yeah, to... It's exactly, it's exactly the same, isn't it, to what I was saying? Like, yeah. you know, in but the so end what zone... what do is, you'd be like, I'd be like, if we were commentating and Deontay drops the ball, I'd be like, oh, he dropped a sitter. And then Mark would be like, what a wombat. It'd be the same. Imagine, like, if, if, uh, if Zach Gentry had no catches and he had uh, 10 targets... Well, how Wouldn't would we? A sitter? He wouldn't even be. A <laughs> <laughs> how would we discuss? How would we discuss uh, Gentry's role? Um, look, you know, oh, the bench warmer. Maybe still, that's why still, they have him, right? Maybe that's why they have him. Because if you're six foot seven and you lie <laughs> like horizontally across the bench, you can get the bench warmer for people. 
He's holding the quick board as well. We've had uh, still a chick 46 six says here. Uh, you said one battle, uh, you know, last season to where, yeah, look, last season with our receivers, some of them were, it's the ones, it's the ones that you're like, uh, you know, you've dead to right. You have that catch and you're going to score a touchdown and you just go, ah, yeah, wombat. Like, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I was talking to, uh, I think I believe I was talking to Jeffrey uh, behind, behind, after our show behind the steel curtain. And I was saying to, to, to Jeffrey that wombats are, you know, pretty much useless. Like, I, I can. It was convincing other people last week that I fed sharks in the in the Sydney Harbour. Well, wombats are the same. Wombats are that stationary. They don't really do too much. You can use them as a door a doorstop. Did you know that, Maddie? Yeah, I know. Out the, out, yeah, in the bush. When you get them out in the bush, that 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 docile, just pick them right up out of the out of the ground, out of the burrow. And if you need your door open, um, you know, to to let the flies in or out, depending, you know, how many flies there are, they're very helpful that way. They do. But they don't do anything. How many times they get hit by a car because they're like lying in the middle of the road, but they don't even die half the time. Like they're just. Matty, like, have you heard? That's their defensive mechanism is to not <laughs> do anything. <laughs> that's like that's like, like giving the that's like the Dan McCullough. That's like the Dan McCullough situation, <laughs> and somehow he's made like four million dollars in his career. <laughs> anyway, it's we're going right like, off track. It's the, same, it's the same as like giving the bungles. Like, oh, here's your playoff ticket, and they're like. Oh, what do we what do we do with this? What do we do with it? I don't know what to do. You know, it's been eleven thousand days since a playoff win. It's been a bit like the Pittsburgh Steelers' last two playoff appearances as well. It has. We're not eleven thousand days yet, but we're getting there, and we need to stop that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next for you guys. I'm keen to get to some audience Q and A, but we got two big plays to preview. I think. Look, look. Justin Lane's the first third round draft pick, and then obviously we've got Deontay Johnson, and then the first round in Devin Bush. Mark, from my perspective, Justin Lane, he had the issue this year off the field. He didn't prove himself in the Bills game last year when he was asked to step it up. For me, with the amount of like secondary players the Steelers have picked up through the draft and undrafted free agents this year, I'm done with Justin Lane. And if he makes the roster, I think it's because he can keep it's because he was a draft pick and the Steelers don't like to, you know, let a draft pick go. But I'm done with I'm done with Justin Lane as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I tend to agree, tend to agree with you as well. There, I um, did some homework last night. I was watching the 2019 preseason uh, versus the Bucks. I was just curious to see you know try and see Lane um, uh, play. He's has he has 25 tackles in his career. However, the 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 big thing I found and a lot of BTSC writers, even yourself, have talked about is that Justin Lane just seems a bit off in this in this Steelers um, quarterback yeah. depth. Now, there were two plays, actually three plays on the first drive. And I was a preseason game, and it was two years ago, but it all it all kind of makes sense. The The first two plays that he got beat, he was playing well far off coverage, and uh, the Buccaneers got the first down. It happened again the next drive, the same thing. It was like a second and 10, happened the exact same time. Um, he played too far off, and he made the tackle, but they allowed 10 yards first down. And near the end of the drive, there was a running play with a um, uh, like a – you know, halfback toss, and that running back ran over Justin Lane, and he didn't att- attempt to tackle. Now that was two years ago, and I understand that. But what has he done for us lately? I wouldn't be surprised this if some of younger folks come in. But this is the thing. So last year, in all the games he played, he was targeted twelve times, right? Twelve times, and he played eleven percent of the snaps. He allowed ten completions, which is a rate of eighty-three point three percent. He allowed one hundred and twenty-seven yards. He averaged a- an allowance of 
12.7 yards per completion. Even yards, the amount of targets he allowed was 10.6. One of them was a touchdown. The average quarterback rate, the like the passer rating that he allowed across all his plays was 138.5, which is you know getting close to perfect for a quarterback. Waste of time. Get off the roster. And he misses. The worst part, too, as you said before, he missed almost 20% of his tackles last year. That does yep. not cast the mustard. The tackle that I saw in the 2019 game, you guys, if you have the game pass, go back and look at it. Uh, it was a very lazy attempt. It uh, He had didn't set the edge, and the other bloke just did a little step inside. He went for a leg tackle, went for the ankles. Nothing worked out. It seems to be in some of the, the video highlights and the, the games I have watched with him, he just seems to be lost. And maybe, just maybe, the NFL isn't for him. That could that could be it. Uh, I don't see him doing any ground-breaking plays. So if, if Shakur Brown or those guys come up and take his spot, then all for it. You know, this is this is a time now where you've had your shot. How many more chances can we give the guy? That's it. You know, so um, he might be gone, and then uh, we've got—is there two more blokes left on the uh, 2019? These actually, Maddie, it's turning into—we can't have any of these guests on our, you know, in the next few shows. The 2019 roster. I haven't really seen too many positives. Have well, you? Until we get to these two players, I'm not sure we really want the other guys, just to be frank. Fair enough. We're, we're winners on this show. We're winners. <laughs> All right, it. let's move on to Deontay Johnson. So I wanted to kick off. This is interesting because, and I talked about it this week across Steel's draft picks in War Room with that benchmark that I was sharing before about the AVs, right? So let's use that benchmark to a degree as well. The average AV for a wide receiver over the four, first four years, if if they're a first-round draft pick, is 5.98, right? So, again, let's call that 12. Deontay, Deontay's career average after two years, right? 12 would be what you'd expect out of a first-round draft pick. Deontay's is 13. The production that we've got out of Deontay, I mean, if you look at 2019 where he had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph in his rookie year and he had his 680 yards, and then last year he had his 923 with Ben back, and yes, he had those drops, but Deontay averages almost eight you know, receptions a game. He, like, his average yards per game is about 50 yards. His catch rate is 62%, right, which isn't... What it should be, I would, I would want him, and that's career. Sorry, is above sixty-two percent. I'd love him to break sixty-five percent. But for me, Deontay, like, if you think about a third-round draft pick who's only had two seasons in the league, that's tremendous output. Yeah, I think I think he's done really well. And look what Snowman brings up here in the uh, in the chat. So Snowman says for our audio listeners, yeah, he has he has to follow the ball into his hand before he runs. Now, that is a stableton in pretty much any ball sport, um, NRL, AFL, rugby, uh, even even uh, ball sports like golf. You've got to follow the ball and you've got to see where it's going. Now, I, I believe Deontay had a great rookie season and then and last year he maybe got in his way a little bit too much. Uh, in well, aspects. and the hard thing is, is because everyone complimented him on and it's exactly the most important thing that you mentioned there about running onto the ball is that he's a really good route runner. So, but the point is, is that yes, you've got to be in the position to run the route. You've got to start running the route. 
but then you've got to catch the ball and then focus about who else is around you and whether you're going to do, do like a juke or what sometimes we call it in Australia. My gut was sort of saying a shimmy or like you're going to do a sidestep or you're going to do like a spin move or whatever it's going to be. And this is the thing is that Deontay is a second-year player that's not a first-round draft pick. And even a first-round draft pick would expect some development time. Honestly, if he, if Ben is feeling good enough to target him, a hundred, or you know, obviously Mason in week seventeen, but one hundred and forty-four times in a season, that's a massive vote of confidence in Deontay Johnson. That's huge. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be, a, a, you know, a good guy for the slot as well. Um, working in there and those, those short rounds, and we know he has great ability. It's, I just think with some of these players, when you do get um, you know, that much feedback for positivity sometimes can be a, a deterrent as well because, oh, you know, I, I, they're saying I'm the best, I'm the best. I need to, I need to be better than what I am. Um, and we saw that with Deontay when he's catching, he's looking away and he's, he's on the five-yard five, five, five route, goes to hand the ball in and it's, it's a straight-up drop, you know, and you're like, same thing. Ah, you're one bat, what are you doing? Just catch it and then start to, then start to run. Um, and look, I'm not a football player, but... That some of these things just comes with time. It comes with time for these players into the third year, understanding the game. Um, you know, do, do you run this certain route and do I take on the three players and get smashed or do I run outside of bounds? So he's and got to learn the, all these things. Yeah, and look, this is the other thing. Like, he had five fumbles in, in his rookie year so and only two last year. I, I so That's the other thing is do I wonder whether – you know, it's a perspective for him of making sure he's catching the ball, but then he's worried about catching the ball. And that's where in the live chat it was mentioned, it becomes a mental thing once that when you start going, oh, am I going to drop it? Am I not going to drop it? Uh, you know, and then it starts to become a bit of a freeze move. The other I thing mean, too is like with the amount of the amount of time that Ben had to throw the football last year, you know, and I get I get that Ebron and Deontay dropped some sitters if we're going to use what we talked about earlier, like use you know, that sling and the slang. But at the same time, you know, the receivers aren't always going to be in that perfect position. And yes, there's the argument that receivers are never going to be always in the perfect position or the quarterback's not going to always be able to give you the perfect throw. But Ben was hurried quite a bit last year. And whether the ball was hitting the hitting Deontay at the route where he expected to be hitting or where they might have done in training camp or, you know, or in the, the week's preparation versus what happened in the game. And yes, he has to learn to adjust. He is a second-year player. I just wonder whether these things factor in. So, as I said, if, if he can pick up, if he can reduce that drop rate in 2021, it's going to go a long way to the Steelers' offense absolutely firing. But I think at the same time, it will speak a lot to how well the blockers are doing to pass blocking to correct time for Ben and how accurate Ben's being as well. Where, where does Deontay um, rank on the, the receivers? Is he the third guy? I genuinely think this roster is made up of a 1B in Chase Claypool only because like of, of his size and his speed, and I think he'll get more targets this season. And he's going to become a 1A, but I think it's just his second year in the league. I think Juju is technically a 1B, but I think if you look at the roster and how you've asked me the question, I think you've got a 1B in Claypool, a 2A in Juju, and you've got a 2B in Deontay. You know, we saw the spread last year of the yards. Yards. And the other thing, the reason I say that 1B, 2A, 2B is that then you've got a, a 2B, if you like, in, in probably Ebron at this point, and a 3A or like a 2C in, in Freemuth potentially. So, so Freemuth will take that 2B role from Ebron over time. 
Yeah, same with uh, Washington too. He can be a bit of a wild card. Um, yeah, well, he's probably a three A or a two B as well. Yeah, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this offense works. And we said it last year when they had the the four wide, it was pick your poison. Um, this is going to be. I would like to see pick your poison mentality, but still, I would like to see Big Ben form a relationship with one of his receivers. And I could sneakily see that going to be Deontay Johnson. Maybe that Juju does the hard yards for sure. Claypool does the hard yards for sure. Washington's there when you need him to be, but I could see that when they're in the the, the third and tens or the third and sevens. Um, who do I go to? It might not be his first read, but it might be the the, the play schematics might work out that they just go to, to Deontay and he, he gets that ball. Um, or, or certain plays might always uh, tally up to it's going to be Deontay for that touchdown. Uh, it's 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 hard. Like imagine being Big Ben. Like who do you who do you normally go to? Who do you look at? And it all depends on the, the coverage and who they're versing with the, the quarterbacks and the safeties and those kind of looks. Um, but I see I see a big improvement from Deontay. Um, it's it's funny though. Like I see a big improvement from last year, not really his rookie year. Like he's got almost he went too hard into his second year and thought, okay, I can do it all kind of mentality. Yeah. But if he just comes back, it comes back a little bit and improves off his rookie year and just catches the ball and and does his certain um you know great routes and some are comparing him to AB with, with his with his uh feet work he's going to be good he's going to be great well i saw some workout videos of him too recently and we talked about workout videos but i saw him running routes right so it wasn't like he was trying to promote how much he'd worked out i think Deontay's put on a bit of size <laughs> i think i think you're going to see a bit of a beefed up Deontay here um and this was he was doing one of his route route king or whatever they call them um workout so it was particularly was him and it was with another like route guy and they were focusing on that like training so yeah and he looked he <laughs> looked pretty pumped i'm um i'm, I'm confident going into this season but we do want to get to some q a so i reckon we move on to devin bush the the number one draft pick in 2019 the guy we traded up for to pick at number 10 we wanted you know we worked with the broncos on getting that i had a feeling that we we're going to draft him I was so excited when they did. Mark, again, if we kick it off with this benchmark, you know, the average for a first-round draft pick uh, from 2012 to 2019, the yearly AV is 5.85, so you're talking 11.6. Devin Bush's is 12, and he only only played five games last year. So he's managed to get that career AV of like, you know, I think he got nine in his first year and then three last year. So... I think it's terrific to think about the impact that Devin Bush has made. He's coming back from that injury. But I wondered whether you had some stats, like some stat lines that we should be expecting from Devin by the end of the season as he comes back. He's got the extra game. We're hoping the Steelers can get through a couple of rounds of the playoffs. But for the regular season, what are the stat lines that you're looking for him to achieve? He's going to be around that football a lot. Uh, I think he's going to play angry. Uh, I can see him being a part of pretty much every tackle. So he's going to be, you know, he'll be in the 100 plus if he's healthy. Uh, we don't really want him to do too much more than that. Uh, Force fumbles, I think he'll be around the ball. I think he's going to be a menace in that that, that middle field. Um, interceptions, look, I think he'll, he'll, he'll do some things there, but the ball, you know, tend to, doesn't really go that way. So he might get a few there. Uh, sacks, I can see him doing, like, I, I just see him being a menace. I really just see Devin Bush coming back. Uh, he got injured last year. The defense changed with his mate TJ on the on the on the on the uh, left hand side there. Cam there as well. I can see Devin Bush 
really, and we've we've seen it throughout his twitters and stuff like that. And he's he just seems to be he's playing. He wants to play angry, and I think he wants to play for a bit of leadership. And I think he wants to play to be look. I'm the best. Like he wants to be that yep. guy where I'm Devin Bush. I'm the best. You can't beat me. My teammates know I'm the best, and the opponent knows I'm the best, and then I still want to be better. I can see that in him. I'm really excited to see how he's going to form as a leader. And I like as Brad Jewett says here, D, D Bush is a is a dog. Like I just I just think he is going to be um, a heck of a player. And coming to the third year, uh, you know, from sport, Matty, and I know it as well. When you've been injured and I've I played tennis, and I if I missed a few games, a few months, when you come back, you're so ready, like yeah. mentally wise. You want to play. You want to play as hard as you can. You want you want to go and. Uh, chase down on Mars, you want to say, oh, they're talking about Mayfield. You know, who cares? You can't get past me. That's His mentality is going to be like oh, that. This is the thing. And I feel like they drafted him and like to smash, to just destroy like um, Lamar Jackson. Like you just put him as a homing missile on Lamar Jackson and good good bloody luck. It's going to change the whole – I think, honestly, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I, I believe they have figured out Lamar. I, I yeah. think that, that they Great. have really – they have – um, when they contain him in the pocket like that, and they have the the spies like Bush, and and they have even even as well with Minka on the backfield, you can see him kind of spying and looking around. I don't believe Lamar can beat us, and um, Bush has that mentality now. It's look, is is he playing for a Super Bowl? We, we hope so, but I I think he's really just playing to just to be one of the best, like in, in future years. And then people said, oh, do you remember guys like uh, Ray Lewis? Uh, you know. Um, James Harrison, he or he wants to be that kind of football player. And honestly, I don't really look into much to the the Twitter universe, but I've seen some um, some stuff he is saying, and he's ready, man. He's so ready. Yeah, I completely back as well what Clarence has brought up in the live chat. I've seen this before throughout. It, it doesn't matter what sport you're playing. The great players do go back and learn from the sidelines last year. I even think Ben learned a lot because if you look at the – how small the, his interception rate was in the first eight weeks of the season. I think it was like four or five. That was really clean from Ben. Uh, and, and this is the thing I completely back that. When you've got Devin Bush too, you've got a player whose father was in the league. You've got a player that knows what pro- the professionalism is, that played in a program like Michigan that's come into the Pittsburgh Steelers to further that legacy of the linebacking position. And, you know, th- I agree with you, Mark. This is a guy that for... If you continue on this rate, we're going to look back and be able to say he was one of the greats. And isn't that awesome that you can go have like a, a Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, you know, you can, go, you can go through and there are a few guys in between there, but, you know, you can go through even like what a Ryan Shazier could have been. And then you have a Devin Bush. Like, you know, if you look at the last 40 years and players, these sorts of players play eight to 10 years, we've been really lucky in what we've had at the inside linebacking position and how crucial that is. He's a guy that can cover some of the fastest wide receivers. It's fantastic. I went through and had a look at the stat lines from some of the top inside linebackers in the league, guys like Raquan Smith from Chicago, guys like, uh, you know, Levante David, guy, you know, competitive for him in the draft that was taken, I think, number four or number three, and Devin White. Um, maybe, maybe it was number five, uh, but Devin White over there at Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a few of the other top sort of guys around the league. I, if Devin Bush can get pretty close to this stat line of four sacks, three interceptions, three forced fumbles, 13 tackles for a loss, 10 quarterback hits, 95 or more tackles and eight pass defense, he will be 
He will be a top three inside linebacker in this league. And really, the the things you want is the INTs, the force fumbles, the tackles for a loss, and a plus tackle ratio of 95. And even then, he's going to be a top five to top 10 inside linebacker. We really, the stats don't always show the impact to a defense. And, you know, I know Jeffrey Benedict's talked about this, that when Devin Bush was out last year, it ultimately affected the, the defense's sack rate because people had to do different things. And, you know, even when we didn't have Devin Bush, when we played against the Ravens as well, you know, you had the situation where we had Highsmith dropping back. Devin Bush is the linchpin for this defense apart from TJ. If you can keep the trio, I mean, we talk about it in rugby league a lot mm-hmm. of having, you know, the halfback, the fullback, and the and the 5'8", they're running the, with the football. But if you have in on defense a top-edge rusher, a top safety and Minka and a top inside linebacker. The rest can fall into place to a degree. I mean, you know, Jerry, Jerry Cherry Band says I loved him, went too. I do too. The Steelers just didn't have the capital to get him and he would have been fantastic too. But the way Devin Bush plays is he plays like a Pittsburgh Steeler. He has yep. since day one. He's come up so far along. He's always around the ball, as you say. I mean, that Chargers game in his rookie year, I mean, we wouldn't have won that game with Devlin Duck Hodges if it wasn't for Devin Bush. I can't speak highly enough of him. I already have one of his jerseys. Manny, Manny, Manny. He's one of my favourites. He's one of my favourites. We haven't even seen anything yet. We haven't seen seen nothing. I hit the microphone. I was so excited. We have seen nothing. Steeler Nation, BTSC, Australia, America. Happy Fourth of July. We've seen nothing of uh, Devin Bush. He went. He had a great rookie year, and that's a hard year to do. A very hard year to do. Second year was was playing great guns, and then he got injured. We've seen nothing. What he can do, and I know our fans out there. He he is so excited to be a Steeler, and that is good to see. It is great to see that the passion uh, that comes out comes out of uh, Devin Bush and the way he hits people and the way he's maneuvering around that field. No, I, look, I put it this way. It's, it's, I'm a defensive guy. I know, know you are too. We grew up in the game. Uh, well, I grew up watching Farrier, Foot, those kind yeah. of guys. I, when I played, when you, you know, as well, when you play in the Madden position, you always be, you pretty much be that middle linebacker. That's the guy you, you know. So Devin Bush is that guy. And we have a, a good chance. I'm not going to say he's going to play every, every game, he's going to play lights out, but he's going to have an impact in this game. And I could see him doing, you know, extreme things with the Steelers and really getting behind people and, and, and you know, getting people together. And the, this team has to come together around him. Like you said, he's he's the linchpin. He holds this this defense together. Well, this is it. And and I, I think he, he's going to be the sort of player that, Mark, you and I don't have kids yet. But he's going to be the player that when our kids are really being able to take on their Steeler fandom at, you know, 10 years old, 11 years old, what have you, when you start to really emerge as a fan, that's going to be the player that they're going to be like, he's one of the greats. You know, they're going to watch his retirement and be like, that's the the first player they're like, oh, I'm so, it sucks that he's, you know, leaving the team. So I'm, I mean, yeah, this is a massive season for Devin Bush. At the same time, though, I think we've got to, you know, I think we've got to measure our expectations that it's going to take him a few weeks to get back into it with that knee injury. Like, I think he's going to come back for for pelt. And I think that's the strategic part of it where, well, not strategic, we're lucky for it that he did it in the start of the season in the first half because mm-hmm. he's had like an extra period of time to, to do that rehab. But I think we've just got to temper our expectations for the first three to four weeks and let him work his way into the season. And that's where 
a buy as early as it is in what is it week seven or week eight is really helpful in in that in that perspective. And also we've got great depth behind with uh, Vince Williams and we have Spillane um, and and other blokes back there and if Buddy Johnson fills in for a few roles. I'm not too sure. Uh, we talked about UG3. Yeah, but look, Devin Bush will have a big impact on this uh, Steelers defense, and he should. But but I think actually to, for all the players that we talked about uh, today, he's the one player that he knows that he's got a big shoes to fill, but he can do it. He, he can he can easily do it. He, that's I think what I see in his passion, the way he plays, and even watching the 2019, he was involved in that first game in the preseason. He was in every in every single tackle. He was there. He he was there in the pile, and he's ready to play football. And you, I just know that he's a winner. He wants to be a winner, and we're not going to be that losing franchise that all the NFL media is saying, "Oh, we're the you know the third best team in the uh, AFC North." No, 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 no. Devin Bush is going to, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we beat the Bills and he gets an interception and two sacks, something like that. You know, he's got, he's a winner. That's what he is. Hundred percent. Look, I've got a question for you. While we wait for some questions from the audience, we'll do five more minutes. We're going way over. Dad's getting, Dad's going to be yes. furious at us. We're going <laughs> over our thirty-two minute uh, limits on on each half, but that's all right. I put out a Twitter poll, Mark, um, and I got BTSC to retweet it, basically asking the question. And I've had a hundred votes, hundred one votes, so we can say it's a hundred. Do you think that the veterans? And like proven performers, guys like a Cameron Haywood, a Stefan Tuitt, a Joe Hayden, you know, offensive guys, whether that's Ben, whether that was AB at the time, even Lav Bell towards the end there, you know, some of the, as I said, the O linemen, whoever it is, Ebron McDonald. Do you think the veterans have done enough in the big games and playoffs over the last five years? No. We talked about it last, we talked about it last week that there's only seven players on the Yep. Um, active roster who won a game in the with the black and gold. Now, Tuart was part of that uh, game versus KC. Cam Haywood was part of the team, but he wasn't on the team. He was must have been injured that day. So, look, we're getting to we're getting to the ball, but we're not dancing, Maddie. We ain't dancing. We're sitting well, on the sidelines. Well, this is the up. point because Jeff was talking about the the youth of the the Pittsburgh Steelers team in his Let's Ride this week, which on Friday, which I go back and invite you to check out. That, that that's going to be really important. No disputing the youth and and guys that are whether they're draft picks or in their first five seasons in the league have to step up. But for me, I haven't yet to see, and I think it's more on the defensive guys. Like, I'm a massive Cameron Hayward fan. You know me, I, I, how big a Stefan Tuitt fan I am, right? And and love and appreciate the skills of Hayden. But quite frankly, those guys don't step I haven't, I'm yet to see them fully step up in a game. Like, when was the last, and we've only been in two of them in recent years, but when was the last time we had a playoff game where Cameron Hayward had like, three tackles for a loss or two sacks and, and two it had a one and a half sacks or Joe Hayden has like three or four pass breakups and a key interception, you know, or a pick six or what have you. We need the youth guys to step up, but we've got guys here that can well be hall of famers. They just need to take it up that extra three or 4%. And I know it sounds like I'm targeting some players here, but, and I mean, big Ben, the same thing goes is like, you know, we don't want him throwing the football for 500 yards in playoff games like what we've seen or throwing 60 passes. But who else on that offense is taking the, the bull by the horns, so to speak, and going forward and making that impact? 
And that's, I feel like, the difference because I think sometimes we're beaten out by teams where there are that the veteran or more experienced player in a big game, including a playoff game, that those guys do step up like a Calais Campbell for, from a Ravens or like a, you know, you saw that with the Jags when we lost to them as well. There are a bunch of older guys that stepped up. So if we're going to be successful, that, that I feel like those older guys really do have to step up in the big games. Yeah, but I think a lot of times we beat ourselves. Like in that Jags game, we let Blake Bortles beat us. Are you joking? We, how do you let Blake Bortles beat you? And this is this, that's the game where Cam Hayward has to smash that guy into the ground, into the dirt, and send a message. But we're starting on the back foot in the Browns game. Back foot, ball goes over the head. That's a point. Um, Pouncey. Pouncey did not step up. Look, How could you have one d- of the worst snaps of your career in one of the most important playoff games when you'd already clearly told the team you were going to retire? This is this is the point where this is the, there needs to be a leadership, and I agree with you. There's got to be a guy on the offense, and it, honestly, it can't be Ben. Ben's no, the guy. Be ben. It, it can't be Ben. It needs to be a Juju, a Claypool, a Deontay, um, a Dotson that says this is our team. Let's let's roll. Let's 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 just hammer these guys and, and play some playoff football on the defense. It has to be a Bush. But it really should be a Cam Hayward or Stephon Tuitt and be the 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 Basham brothers and really, you know, go after it. We're missing that that mentality that they, and, that they and, haven't got this yet. And this is the two players I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the pressure on this season are not that they really care what Matt Beverly yeah. <laughs> But the two players that I think that are, are Ebron, number one, because he talked a lot of he did some stupid shit on the sideline. Oh. Yeah. Oh, pardon me. He did some some silly things on the sideline last year with some off-season interviews, like some after-game interviews and different people and talked a lot of smack and whatever. He needs to take the ball by the horns, not drop catches, rev everyone up if he's not receiving the ball. It's about the team, not him. Or otherwise, after this season, why does he need to be on the roster? Yeah. With When you've got a guy like Free Moves and other guys will be available and the money is getting paid. And I think... I love Cameron Hayward. So I want to see him go to the playoffs and I want to see Cameron Hayward get the three tackles for a loss, two sacks, force a fumble, you know, an Aaron Donald-style performance. It just needs to be that one game. I, I, I just want to see it. They need, Matty, they need a leader. They need some sort of a leader. Exactly. And we all know Ben is in it. You can't have uh, 11 players or everyone watching the ball and saying, are we going to win today? You've got to have someone like Devin Bush to say, we're going to win and this is why... Because I'm the best and you're the best and we're the best. We're the best team on this field. And I don't care about Lamar. I don't care about Joey Bungle. I don't care about uh, the other bloke from Brown Town. I don't care. I'm, I'm just going to, we're going to be the best team. And we haven't seen that in the playoffs. The Jacksonville loss was awful. The Browns loss was awful. So if we get there again, and I really hope we do with a lot of talent, and it's, it's similar to like to hockey, you can win, you know. 40, 50, 60 games. But then when you get to the first round of the playoffs, you're done, you're out, you see you later. It doesn't mean anything. So there's this point now, you really have to step up in the locker room. I know they are. Look, they're all paid professionals, but I just think some of them have to have the mentality of like, I'm a stealer and I'm doing this for what I love and for all the fans and for my family and and really just do it for yourself. And we know they haven't done that because how angry have we been in that Browns game? I've never been angrier. 28 new at halftime, turn it off. But the other thing is, we need confidence in this, right? If you look a long term, and, and then I think we need to wrap it up, but if you look long term, we're going to have a rookie quarterback in the next couple of years. And these guys are going to be older, right? 
if they're older, they're less likely to do it. So if they're not going to do it now, are they ever going to do it? Because when we have a rookie court, when we get a rookie quarterback in, we need every other veteran on the roster, particularly the ones that are being paid the top money, the proven performers, actually making that impact. Because otherwise, we should spend the money elsewhere. Because when you have a rookie quarterback, that is the time now to get a Super Bowl. That's all. Yeah, well, they, need, they need to get it done. They just need to get it done. No- there is no next year mentality. If I, if I can wrap it up and you send it out, there's no next year mentality. It's this year mentality. And if you have that every single year, we have a chance to, to win the playoffs. And the, the love for this team I have and you have and all the fans have, we're going to appreciate it even more. I believe that for the 2019 season, Devin Bush will be that leader. I think he will set the standard, is the standard. And the other guys around him will play phenomenal football. The Edmonds, the Minka, the TJ Watt, your mate, Highsmith. Um, it's just it's just going to be a great year, but Bush has to grab him by the shoulder pads and say, "Man up, let's go out there and win." Mark could not have put it better. Would love to close out the show. We'll quickly bring up Snowman Super Chat. He always likes to throw it in at the last minute. Um, my starting middle linebackers are, if it's depending on what scheme they're in, a Devin Bush and Vince Williams. But if it's the other way, it could be Spillane. Uh, but yeah, I actually think you could see the Steelers do a bit of 4-3 this season if you look at the types of defensive ends and the bigger linebackers we've got. I think you might see a bit more 4-3 than what we've seen previously. But yeah, I, I, I do think they're going to go at the start. It'll be very much Bush and Bush and Williams because we saw that when, when Williams came back, I think it was week three last year, and, the, and Bush and Williams were together for those two games or one and three-quarter games. The defense looked oh, red hot. So yeah, that they're my four. But Mark, what are your what are your ones? I've got Bush by himself. I don't care. He's gonna exactly. run by himself. Exactly. I don't I don't care who the second guy is. It's gonna be Bush. That's it. <laughs> Fired up. <laughs> uh and with that, that wraps up this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matt Peveril. Marky D's waving his terrible towel. As always, Mark. Go Steelers!